What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I am your host, none other than Jonathan Kogan. I didn't expect to record this quickly from the last podcast, but I'm riled up and I am doing my best to get the facts out to the world. So if you are listening to this on your podcast player or on a speaker, I appreciate it. Or maybe watching it on Rumble, perhaps, because we know you're not watching on YouTube since we are banned from YouTube which we take as a sign of strength and a sign of courage. In fact, we can pretty much conclude that the people who are banned in twit on Twitter or banned from YouTube or in our YouTube and Twitter heaven are actually martyrs dying for the cause of truth. Those are the people doing the right thing. It's a sign of integrity and a badge of honor. What if I told you that the lack of vaccine efficacy was intended? What if I told you that there was a goal to make our children infertile? What if I told you that all this chaos was intentional? What if I told you that there was a document called the Global 2000 during the Jimmy Carter administration that explicitly said that we need to depopulate the earth. What if I told you that all of this chaos from the indoctrination of children to the mass deaths from the most dangerous vaccine ever created was done with malice? What if I told you Every single thing we are experiencing today was carefully orchestrated and planned out by the global elites of the world. What if I told you I can piece together the puzzle and share it with you? And what if I told you all of this was true? And what if I told you that I was the furthest thing from a conspiracy theorist. Well, it's happening. I believe on the mountain of evidence that I have come across that the depopulation agenda by those of the likes of Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, the other Davos men who go to the World Economic Forum, who truly run the world, the billionaires, not all, but the ones that go on stage and literally say at the World Economic Forum, if we had less people on Earth, well, then it would solve all of our problems. Or what if I told you in Georgia, the Georgia, was it, the Guildstones, the Guidestones said, we should have no more than 500 million people on Earth. And what if I told you that this has been in the making? Decades since the days of Henry Kissinger, who is Klaus Schwab's mentor. All of this seems to be planned and being carried out in front of our very eyes. And I believe we are facing the biggest catastrophe to the human species we have ever, ever come across in all of history and it was all man made i'm not a conspiracy theorist i have zero interest in conspiracy theories my entire life i found zero interest in that bs i care about evidence i care about children and I care about people. I think that we can say nearly unequivocally that the evil forces upon us are being carried out to hurt us, to make our children infertile, to make sure we can't repopulate unless you're part of the global 300 in stakeholder capitalism that make all the decisions when the state combines with the largest business interests in the world and those who tell the truth get censored, de 
deplatformed, shamed, and hit pieces come out, and definitions are changed, and Wikipedia pages are altered. Just go to Steve Kirsch's. We know he's telling the truth. We know he's doing the right thing. What does it say on his Wikipedia page? He's a fan of spreading misinformation. All these amazing people are spreading misinformation because it's such an incentive. You are so incentivized to spread misinformation because your life turns out to be so fantastic. When you spread misinformation, you get slammed by every mainstream media outlet. Your life is just unbelievable. It's like living on an island in paradise where everyone is saying you are the greatest human ever alive, except instead of saying you're the greatest human ever alive, you go to the New York Times and says, this person's a fucking asshole and a disgrace to society. It's basically the same thing. You see the incentive? So I came across, as I do, fantastic speeches. And if you really think about it, why are all of the cultural issues have nearly one thing in common that is the underpinning of all of them? Big Pharma. Why is everything we disagree about have a positive outcome for big pharma? Who benefits from the vaccine distribution? Big pharma. Who benefits from children getting their, their sex changed and transgenderism? And we love all people on this podcast, all people. We don't care if you're a frog, if you are transgender, if you are male, if you are a female, if you are an alien from Pluto. We accept you, we love you, and if you are kind to others and want to contribute to the community, you are welcome any time. I mean that. I sincerely mean that. So don't get all crazy now. Let's just talk. Let's debate. Let's discuss. And let's make some sense of the madness. Because right now, it doesn't make much sense. Why are good people not telling the truth? Are they perhaps under the spell of not getting grants from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with all, which all roads seem to lead back to, are there extremely powerful forces and rich families of the past dictating what people can and cannot do because their livelihoods and their ability to feed their children are contingent on making money and they control the money? I do not think it is even possible to say this is a conspiracy on August 14th, 2022. So, like I said earlier, the underpinning of all of this is Big Pharma. While we are at each other's throats, Big Pharma keeps on winning. Did you ever think about that? Should we, should we change kids' sex? Should they have the surgery? Should they do this? We're bickering. Yes, no, yes, no. But Big Pharma wins. Does the vaccine work? Does the vaccine not work? Oh, my God, it's so good for you. It's not good for you. We're bickering. Big Pharma wins. Are you seeing the pattern right in front of our eyes? Right in plain sight. At the World Economic Forum, they talk about depopulation. We played on the last podcast. Bill Gates said if we do a great job with vaccines, a great job with vaccines, we can decrease the population by 10 to 15%. Could you imagine if we did a bad job with vaccines? Oh my God, we would repopulate. <gasps> we would have families. And you'll understand that the establishment is trying to break down the family because the family's bad. The family repopulates. The family shows love. The family isn't evil. The family is good, so they don't like the family. So you shouldn't have a family because they want to control and have power over you for the rest of your life. And if you enjoy your freedoms and your liberties, we must stand together and fight back and resist everything. For example, in Canada, the digital IDs being implemented Go to my podcast 10 podcasts ago or whatever it was with digital IDs. Now it's being rolled out in Canada. That is the United States. United States would be next. 
But we need to stand with those Canadians, with the Germans that are going to have a very cold winter with potentially no power and freeze to death. We need to stand with the farmers in the Netherlands. We need to stand with the vaccine injured. We need to stand with everybody who lost a loved one from the most deadliest vaccine ever made by man. Don't shame anybody. Don't do unto them what you didn't like being done to yourself. If you're unvaccinated and you were outcasted and you were cat, you were just absolutely destroyed in the public sphere and you didn't like it, don't do it back to others just because you're being proven right. That isn't the game here, folks. The game here is extending human life. Telling everybody that the family is good. Telling everybody that freedom is a human right. And informing everyone that the Nuremberg Code needs to be reinstated and never broken, ever again. It's not going to get more serious than this. But if we're complicit or we keep saying yes, it will only get worse. So before I get into this incredible speech by Abignal Schreier, a journalist and author at the Hillsdale College called Science, the Transgender Phenomenon in the Young, because what we do on this podcast is we piece together all of the crazy elements going on and paint the whole picture. And that picture appears to be the case for depopulation, something that has been in the works from Henry Kissinger decades ago, over 50 years ago, saying in the Global 2000 Depopulation Program, quote, we are going to get Global 2000 implemented one way or another by famine, starvation, or by choice. We need a real economic shock, a depression to get our message across. Statement of a zero population growth spokesman on 918-1981. The source, The Spiral Report, volume 111, March 31st, 1982. During the Carter administration is when the global 2000 depopulation program was first created. The high Kissinger depopulation policy, quote, there is a single theme behind all our work. We must reduce population levels, says Thomas Ferguson, the Latin American case officer for the State Department's Office of Population Affairs, the OPA. Quote, either they, governments, do it our way through nice, clean methods, or they will get the kind of mess that we have in El Salvador or in Iran or in Beirut. Population is a political problem. Once population is out of control, it requires authoritarian government, even fascism, to reduce it. Is that happening today? Is this what we're experiencing? Huh? I heard the puzzle pieces finally coming together. I think they are. They said in order to implement it, we need famine, starvation, or by choice. Well, check the podcast if you go with the food crisis that's underway that you're going to experience in December of 2022 already. The famine, the orchestrated food shortage, which there really isn't a food shortage. They're just blowing up all the food plants, and they're intentionally creating a famine. Starvation, that's going on right now. People are starving to death, 35,000 children a day all across the world. More people have died of famine since the pandemic than the decade prior. So if we're such humanitarians, people, everyone who wants to force the mRNA vaccine into someone else is so humanitarian, then tell me why we aren't talking about the children dying of famine. Tell me why we aren't doing our best to save them. Tell me why we never talk about them. The mainstream media, if you don't understand right now, they it's not about left and right. It's about corruption and not. It's about good and evil. And the mainstream media is corrupt and in tandem, and it's planned by those very global elites because they know they can use tactics like flooding. They can use coercion. They can convince you 
which they already have to many, over 50% of the human population of the world have the mRNA vaccine. Through propaganda, they're distracting you and they are flat out lying to you to hurt you, to hurt your children. They knew the mRNA vaccine went to the ovaries. They knew with the study that just came out of Thailand that you're, you might not get COVID, but your dick will fall off. They know that if you take the mRNA vaccine, your likelihood of reproducing is much smaller. This is the depopulation program implemented in the year 2022. Really 2020, but yeah. We are well underway. Well underway. And if we don't wake up soon, we have a problem. So the underlying theme that's pinning everything together, Big Pharma. Everything we fight over, Big Pharma wins. Everything we fight over happens to have something to do with fertility. Breaking down the family. Doing things that the elites want us to do because they feel like they should be playing God and telling you who should and who should not live. They don't get to decide that. They are not God. Klaus Schwab and his boys are not, and girls, are not God. They may think they're God, but they are just corrupting social media. They are corrupting the mainstream news. They are corrupting the biggest governments in the world. They are corrupting the largest businesses in the world to try and get their agenda across. But let me break the news. They will fail. And we're getting closer every single day to fully exposing this pure evil and getting our civilization back. Because that's what you deserve. That's what we deserve. And that is what we're going to get. And we are not going to stop until justice is served, till the vaccine injured are recognized, to the people who lost loved ones are recognized and that we change the narrative and that we do not have confused teens change their sex, take puberty blockers that we do not have long-term studies on, that we do not know if they can be reversed or not, that we know their bone density will not be completely built by taking these blockers and we will not feed them any more big pharma products, especially without the parent's consent. I am down for a parent and child to really think through this, to go through therapy and realize that they need this. That's great. It should be available. I'm not saying it should be banned. Absolutely not. I love freedom of choice. I'm not for coercion. And if you listen to this incredible speech by Abignell Schreier, she can she explains this phenomenon much, much better than I can. Um, it's definitely, it's a little long. Uh, we'll see if I'll play the whole thing, if I'll, I'll talk in between, but I want to try and play the whole thing. I, it is absolutely phenomenal, and it ties together the mRNA vaccines with the transgender phenomenon to conclude what I believe very strongly is the depopulation agenda being implemented at scale by literally the most evil people that have been on this earth since the Nazis. And it breaks my heart to say that, especially as a Jew. But that's what it is, and we need to call it out for what it is. Take a listen to Abigail Schreier. It's called Science, the Transgender Phenomenon in the Young. And remember, we're trying to piece together the transgender phenomenon with big pharma corruption and the mRNA vaccines. And I think if you listen to this, you will realize that all of them are interrelated. Just like the elite said in, the, in Agenda 2030, in their depopulation agenda that I just read, they're orchestrating famine, an economic crisis, everything that is underway today. 
This is well calculated, people, and it's happening. Are you ready to put a stop to it? Here's Abigail Schreier. America in 2007 had exactly one gender clinic. One. Anyone care to guess how many we have now? So there are now hundreds of pediatric gender clinics in the U.S. Planned Parenthood gives out testosterone on a first visit. Depending on the state, it absolutely gives testosterone to minors. Planned Parenthood in Oregon gives it to 15-year-old girls on their own recognizance. They don't even need a parental note. Kaiser dispenses it. So for today's teens, whether they have real or typical gender dysphoria or not, testosterone is easily available. Double mastectomy, known as top surgery, is readily available. No, they do not necessarily need parental approval, depending on the state, and they definitely don't need a therapist's note. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the transgender phenomenon. I'm going to start by walking through the, the major issues and claims about youth and adolescent transgender transition, and we'll work our way to the big question, which is, how did we get here? How did we get to a place in which we're all supposed to pretend that the only way you know that I'm a woman is if I give you my pronouns? How did we get to an America in which a 15-year-old in Oregon can begin a course of testosterone without her parents' permission? A lot of the answer, of course, comes from the hard left, but at least one part of the answer is conservative squeamishness about issues we'd rather not deal with at all. So let's begin by dealing with it. What is gender dysphoria? Gender dysphoria, the severe discomfort in one's biological sex, is absolutely real. It's also exceedingly rare, typically afflicting roughly 0.01% of the population and overwhelmingly males, so roughly one in 10,000 males, meaning nobody you went to high school with. <laughs> and it typically began in early childhood, ages two to four, little boys insisting, no mommy, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl boys who were insistent, consistent, and persistent in this feeling that they were in the wrong body. It is by all accounts excruciating. I've talked to many transgender adults, most of them biological males, and they describe the relentless chafe of a body that feels all wrong. Now, there are at least three separate issues I'm going to talk about today. There are the young kids who have this, this classic presentation of gender dysphoria, some of whom the majority of whom would have naturally outgrown it on their own and historically did. Um, others became what we used to call transsexual adults. There's number two, there's the social contagion currently spreading among adolescent girls, many of whom do not have typical gender dysphoria at all. And third, there are the activists and who have already begun exploiting our confusion and our sympathies in order to invade women's protective spaces and destroy women's sports. They are all very different. Okay, so the young kids. Now, traditionally, as I said, these were overwhelmingly little boys. And if left alone, meaning with no intervention, either to change their name and pronouns, what we now call social transition, and no medical intervention, over 70% of these kids typically outgrew gender dysphoria on their own. Most would end up as gay men, and some would not, some would, would not outgrow it and go on to be called, you know, what we used to call transsexuals. Um, and the, these were not, these were not, you know, transsexuals were not people who, who used to pretend they were somehow really women or were always truly female. They were just people who felt most comfortable presenting as female. I've talked to a lot of transgender adults and they'll tell you, they know that people can tell their biology is different but their goal isn't so much to fool other people as it is to achieve a level of comfort with themselves. For many, that involves hormonal intervention and surgeries, and I've talked to several who say that hormones they took or the surgeries they, over, they underwent brought them a measure of peace. I can also tell you that they are generally holding down steady jobs and are leading good, productive lives. But today, we don't just leave kids alone who say this and let chips fall where they may, letting some kids outgrow their gender dysphoria and others to transition when they reach adulthood. 
Today, we decide the moment a child seems not perfectly feminine or not perfectly masculine, today we say, I know what this is. This is a trans kid. We take them to a therapist or doctor, nearly all of whom practice so-called affirmative care. That is, nearly all of whom have accepted that it is their job to immediately affirm or agree with the patient's self-diagnosis and to immediately help them medically transition. Teachers affirm young children in school, both by teaching the class that only they, the children, know their true genders and encouraging kids to reintroduce th themselves to the class with their new name and pronouns. Therapists have affirm and encourage minors down this path, and even pediatricians do. And the typical next step for these kids after changing their name and pronouns to their friends and classmates is puberty blockers. Puberty blockers shut down the part of the pituitary that directs the release of hormones catalyzing puberty. The most common of these drugs is called Lupron, a drug that was originally used in the chemical castration of sex offenders. To this day, it has never been FDA approved to halt healthy puberty. Now you might ask, why would any parent or doctor do this? Why would anyone stop the puberty in a child, even a child with genuine gender dysphoria? when that child would be highly likely to outgrow the gender dysphoria if left alone. Some say because it's traumatizing to let a child go through the puberty of the sex to which they don't wish to belong. The problem of this, of course, is that in many cases, puberty does seem to have helped children overcome their gender dysphoria. But there really is no satisfying answer to why someone would do this, given that scientists have no way of predicting which children will outgrow the dysphoria of their, on their own and which won't. But the argument that's made is that these kids can't wait. The suicide rates of, for the trans-identified youth and trans adults are very high, the argument goes, and so we need to get in there and start fixing them as soon and dramatically as possible. But unfortunately, there are no long-term studies that indicate that puberty blockers cure suicidality or even that they produce better mental health outcomes. There are not even good studies that show they are safe for this population long-term, nor that they are reversible. There's a big debate right now in the medical community about whether and to what extent the effects of stopping healthy puberty in adolescence is reversible if these kids later stop taking them. What we do know is that puberty blockers will block all the secondary sex characteristics sexual maturation, and development of bone density from occurring. We do know that because of the inhibition of bone density and other risks, doctors don't like to keep a child on puberty blockers for more than two years. And we know that once a child's healthy puberty is arrested, placing her entirely out of step with her peers, this seems to guarantee that she will proceed to cross-sex hormones like testosterone. In studies, nearly 100% of kids who are put on puberty blockers proceed to cross-sex hormones. And we know that if a child goes from puberty blockers to cross-sex hormones, that child will be infertile. She may also have permanent sexual dysfunction, given that her sex organs never reached adult maturity, but she will certainly be infertile. So the claim that puberty blockers are safe and reversible for this population is not well-founded. And the claim that it's a neutral intervention, just a pause button, they say, without serious downsides, is simply false. We wouldn't accept this level of glib salesmanship in any other area of medicine. Okay, so those are the kids who actually have gender dysphoria. For the nearly 100-year history uh, of diagnosing gender dysphoria, these little kids were what we were talking about when we, when we talked about gender dysphoria. But in the last decade, that thanks in large part to social media, there's been another population that claims to have gender dysphoria. This is a population that never before had gender dysphoria in any significant numbers. In fact, before 2007, there was no extant scientific literature on their having gender dysphoria at all teenage girls. 
This is the phenomenon Brown University public health researcher, Dr. Lisa Littman, called rapid onset gender dysphoria. <laughs> and, it's, and it refers to a sudden spike in transgender identification among teen girls with no childhood history of gender dysphoria at all. Not only have the rates of these girls claiming trans identification risen dramatically in the U.S. and all across the West, over 4,400% rise in teen girls presenting for gender treatment at the U.K.'s National Gender Clinic, for instance. But teenage girls are now the leading demographic of those claiming to have gender dysphoria. What's going on? The answer is social contagion. One more instance of teen girls sharing and spreading their pain. There's a long history of peer contagion with this demographic, of course. We know that anorexia and bulimia spread this way. And we know that this demographic... I do want to stop it and just say real quick, the only thing I would add to that is it's an orchestrated attack. This is an orchestrated attack in the same exact way the mRNA vaccines are done. They have infiltrated the government institutions that are there to protect us that we used to trust, and they're being weaponized against our youth and against every single person you know that is, quote-unquote, a normal peasant. So, yes, she's right. It's a, quote-unquote, social, social contagion. But I want to get the point across that this is a coordinated attack, a coordinated attack to bring down civilization and implement the depopulation strategy. That is the main theme to get across. I'm not trying to pitch you on that. I'm just saying that's, uh, I think there's pretty strong evidence in that category. All right. Traffic teen Abigail. girls is in the midst of the worst mental health crisis on record with the highest rates of anxiety, self-harm and clinical depression we've ever seen. We know that this pop the population who tends to fall into social contagions is the same high anxiety, depressive group of girls who struggle socially in adolescence and tend to hate their bodies. Add to that a school environment where you can achieve immediate valorization and popularity by declaring a trans identity and of course the delicious temptation to stick it to mom. Add further the great many trans social media influencers who can't wait to convince troubled teen girls that identifying as trans and starting a course of testosterone will cure all of their problems. And you have a very fast spreading social phenomenon. I've spoken to families at top girls' schools that will attest that 15 or 20% or in some one case 30% of the girls in their daughter's seventh grade class now identify as trans. When you see that, you're witnessing a social contagion in action. There is no other reasonable explanation. These teen girls are in a great deal of very real pain. Almost all of them have dealt at some point with an eating disorder or engaged in cutting or have been diagnosed with other serious mental health comorbidities. And now they're being allowed to self-diagnose with gender dysphoria by a medical establishment that's decided its job is merely to affirm and agree with these girls. A medical establishment that has, with regard to trans-identified adolescents, effectively turned its doctors into life coaches. Since my book, Irreversible Damage, was published in June of 2020, more evidence than I ever could have imagined has come out indicating that this thesis is correct. You may not know the name Kira Bell. This is a young woman in the UK, very troubled in adolescence, who was rushed to transition in her teen years and came to regret it. She underwent double mastectomy and spent years on testosterone, only to realize that her problem had never been gender. She sued the National Gender Clinic in England, and back in December, the High Court of Justice examined her case and the claim of similarly situated plaintiffs, and she won. The court examined the medical protocols applied to her, protocols identical to the ones we have in America, and the High Court of Justice was horrified. 
It was absolutely appalled that a young girl had been allowed to consent to eliminating her future fertility and sexual function at an age when she could not have possibly gauged that loss. She had begun transitioning at 15. This case was called a landmark case in England. It was covered by the Times of London, The Economist, and even The Guardian. It was, a, it was seen as a real condemnation of the effort to fast track so many young girls to transition. And one of the things the court noted was that the clinic had been unable to show any psychological improvement in the girls it had treated with transitioning hormones. If you didn't read about the landmark Kirabel case in the American legacy media, well, that's because they decided to pretend it didn't happen. Just as they continued to ignore or dismiss the stories of the thousands of detransitioners, these are young women who were underwent medical transition and later regretted it and attempt to reverse course. A lot of these treatments are permanent, but, but they, they do what they can to try to re reverse some of the effects. So this is also really important, and this is a common theme on the podcast, as you know, if you've been a listener for some time, that we need to stop categorizing things as left or right or Republican or Democrat. This is much, much bigger than that. The legacy media that she's referring to, the mainstream media, is literally being weaponized. It's being used as a weapon with propaganda to convince you that depopulation is good indirectly. That's what's happening here. So you could say it's radical left. You could say it's not about that. It's literally the corruption of the media with the very institutions that are profiting from this, which is big pharma. If you follow the money, it's very strange that it always leads back to Jesus Christ reincarnated, a.k.a. Pfizer. Okay? And I really want to get that point across because the mainstream media, yes, they lie blatantly. And they've been lying. I mean, you're talking about lawsuits against other people for lying. They, have, they lie every single day. And now they're being proven that they're lying. I mean, for years now. Now it's all totally breaking down. But the important part to notice is, is even if they tell the truth, the mainstream media and just the mainstream outlets are cherry picking the certain stories to distract you from anything that would prevent their agenda from being fully implemented. So even if they cover truthful stories, those very stories are most likely not the most important stories, or it's definitely not a story that would go against the depopulation narrative. That is intentional, and that is being done with malice. It's very hard to argue that. In fact, hopefully we can get Steve to add that on his $15, $1 million bets that no one's accepting. Hmm, very strange. And maybe we can get Bill Gates to debate him, but hmm, I don't know. Maybe Bill Gates will just tell us that carbon's ruining the earth while he's flying around on his private jets, his quote-unquote guilty pleasure. It's sick. So in but America, the teen trans really phenomenon right, gets treated as a conservative issue. That is a political issue rather than a medical one. And so perhaps the greatest medical scandal of this decade is dismissed as a conservative preoccupation. Finally, there's a third group of people we talk about when we talk about the transgender phenomenon. And this is the group that seems to want to eradicate girls and women's sports and protective spaces. Many or most of these proponents are not transgender themselves, but they are activists and they are energized. And they do seem to be winning. They promote dangerous bills like the Equality Act now before the U.S. Senate, which would make it impossible ever to distinguish between biological men and women, ever to exclude a biological male from a girl's sports team or scholarship or a woman's protective space like locker rooms and prisons. And they would do this based entirely on a male's self-identification. All that a violent male felon needs to do is announce his new pronouns and identity, and he becomes eligible to transfer into women's prison wherever such laws are found. We have these now laws now in California and the state of Washington, and as you might imagine, hundreds of biological male prisoners 
have already applied to transfer in. For this third group, it is not enough that we create a separate unisex bathroom while preserving a women's room for women. It is not enough to have an open category for those trans-identified athletes who do not wish to be stigmatized while preserving the girls' team for biological girls. And it is not enough to keep a separate safe zone in a prison for those trans-identified biological men who might be at risk in male prison. No, they are working to abolish all women's only spaces. They want all men to be able to self-identify their way into them, and they want to do it right now. So these three groups are very different. You have the young children, some of whom do suffer with gender dysphoria. You have the adolescent girls, most of whom are caught in a social contagion. And you have the activists who are using the other two groups to attack women and to advance their goal of chaos and social upheaval. What these three have in common has nothing to do with real gender dysphoria. What they have in common is that they are all shrouded in gender ideology. Put another way, what they have in common is that they are all soaked in lies. Lies are told about the risks of the treatments we administer to young children, both to play down the very real dangers and to wildly exaggerate to the degree to which we know medical transition to be a cure. Lies are told about the researchers and journalists who try to report on the social contagion among teen girls in order to discredit that hypothesis or to stifle its revelation. Lies are told both about the inherent dangers of eradicating women's protective spaces and rights and, the, and to exaggerate the degree to which this is the only way to save a community from suicide. The way to think about gender ideology is that it is a sibling of critical race theory. Critical race theory goes into schools to convince white kids that they bear the original sin of their skin color. Gender ideology marches into those same schools and tells kindergartners, yes, they do this throughout the public school system in California, beginning in kindergarten, to tell preschool children that there are a great many genders. And while someone may have guessed at birth that you were a boy or a girl, only you know your true gender. Critical race theory postulates that race is the most important feature of any person, and that white people, existing as they do in a state of racial privilege, are not able to participate in a wide variety of discussions about our democracy. Gender ideology tells women, which it calls cis women, that they are not entitled to their fear or their sense of unfairness as biological men invade their protective spaces and claim their trophies and records and scholarships. In fact, women and girls can't even use the English language to describe their problem since calling a trans woman biological male is an act of transphobic bigotry. Both of these invidious, mendacious dogmas have corrupted our schools, our universities, almost all of our legacy newspapers and magazines, the medical accrediting organizations, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, American Psychiatric Association, Pediatric Endocrine Society, and even our scientific journals. Just to give you a sense of how far things have gone, about eight months ago, I was contacted by a member of the National Association of Science Writers. The NASW is an association of journalists with scientific backgrounds tasked with explaining scientific phenomena to the public. And the member of the NASW who contacted me wanted me to know that a member of the online forum had been expelled for mentioning my book. I contacted the member who had been, the, the person who mentioned my book who had been expelled, Sean Scott, and he told me he hadn't even read my book it just sounded interesting to him. He was immediately banned from the forum and labeled transphobic. I've heard the same thing from endocrinologists and psychiatrists and pediatricians and scientific researchers who write around these issues. 
If they point out the risks of gender interventions, they struggle to get their research into journals, and very often their letters to the editor pointing out flaws in studies touting all these interventions, those letters aren't published. The funding goes to research that promotes gender transition and downplays the risks. There are phalanxes of young doctors now, many of them in pediatrics or child psychiatry, who believe their primary job is social justice. And they don't hide this, they brag about it online every day. And you're starting to see, see this kind of thing put into practice. Perhaps America's most prestigious hospital, Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, recently announced that it would offer preferential care to patients based on race. And on questions of gender, we're seeing it with a mass celebration of transitioning treatments provided to young people by doctors who show an inexcusable complacency about the risks of these treatments. The Washington Post just last week quoted some of these young doctors and claimed that it was a factual matter that puberty blockers are fully reversible. That was the quote. Puberty blockers are fully reversible. It's except that that's not someone any, something anyone can claim to know yet. They're certainly not psychologically reversible, and they may not be physically reversible either. We simply don't have the data yet. So you're seeing this startlingly quick corruption of medicine and science, and it's a symptom of a larger woke corruption of American society. Now, there's something I say every time I am asked to speak, and I say this for the simple reason that it is true. Transgender adults are some of the nicest, soberest, and kindest people I have met in my work as a journalist. They have good jobs, they have stable associations, and they are leading admirable and productive lives. They have absolutely no desire to harm women or to push transition on mass on children. The activists do not represent them. I have met adult transgender people who seem to have been helped by transition, but also a belief in freedom absolutely requires allowing adults to make really consequential decisions about their lives. Whether it's um, adulthood in a free society means that you can change your religion, you can change your name, you can take a dangerous job such as Andy No and I have. <laughs> and yes, you can choose to undergo sex reassignment surgery. And whenever I am asked in com I am in conversation with a transgender adult, I always use their chosen name and pronouns, and I believe it ex speaks well of conservatives who extend this courtesy. But, and this is a big but, I never lie. So I will never say, and will never say, trans women are women. This is a dangerous lie. It's a lie which, when promoted in public, leads to unjust and even dangerous consequences for women and girls. When we lie in public, we usher in all kinds of consequences, the obliteration of women's protective spaces and the destruction of women's and girls' athletics. Rejecting lies, sorry, <laughs> parroting these lies is not mere courtesy, whatever proponents say. It's the cowardly surrender of women's welfare as a sacrifice to the woke gods, and it's wrong. In the public sphere, the lie is the harm. It does damage to our ability to communicate, to comprehend each other, and it makes it impossible to object in the face of unfairness and cruelty. If, quote, a trans girl really is just a kind of girl, after all, there is no basis for objecting to a 17-year-old boy who handily beat all the girls on the track team. Now, I'm often asked, why are the trans activists doing this? Why would a teacher tell her class of kindergartners that only they know their true gender? What could possibly be the justification for telling small boys that they might really be girls and telling small girls that they might really be boys. The biggest hint I got to the answer came from talking to detransitioners 
Remember, these are young women who underwent transition and then later regretted it. Again and again, they told me that while they were transitioning, they were angry, they were sullen, and they were politically radical. They very often cut off their families. They were coached in this by transgender influencers online, and they rushed toward their new glitter families. You'll often see gender-confused people among the ranks of Antifa or at Black Lives Matter rallies. Having turned against their families of origin, they are easy prey for those who recruit revolutionaries. Put another way, the chaos is the point. Just as the point of critical race theory is to turn the American people against one another, so the point of gender ideology is to stop the formation of stable families, the building blocks of American life. Let me say this again. This is not the goal of all transgender adults, but it is the goal of gender ideology and the transgender movement, namely the creation of a new victim class eager to join the revolution. So what do we do about this? How do we push back on the onslaught of gender ideology? First, we must oppose the indoctrination of children in gender ideology. There is absolutely no good reason for it, and it does very real harm. You can absolutely insist that all treat children treat each other kindly without indoctrinating an entire generation in gender confusion. Second, in public, we must speak up and we must speak the truth. Always, wherever we find ourselves, at work, whatever we do, we must refuse to recite the lies. If conservatives are to confront these issues, we know we must know something about them. We must overcome our squeamishness. We must clearly distinguish, for instance, between transgender Americans, many of whom are wonderful and an ideological movement which seeks to warp our children and wreck our families. This is a movement that would turn our children against themselves because its advocates know there is no greater harm, there's no greater horror to a parent. There is no quicker way to bring America to its knees than by prompting our children to do irreversible damage to themselves. The people who've been pushing this ideology they got a big head start on us, perhaps by a decade. But they have awakened a sleeping giant. The success of my book, the fact that I was invited to speak to you today, and the state legislators that are now debating these issues testify that a cultural battle is at last being fought. We cannot afford to lose. These are our kids and grandkids. Our future literally depends on our winning this. That was phenomenal. I need to make a quick clarification. I got, I got, I got to be honest. I got teary eyed when she said, but they awoke in a sleepy giant. We're not conservative. We're not liberal. We're not political on this podcast. We're not Democrats. We're not Republicans. We're not independent. We're apolitical. This is an apolitical movement. And that is what it always will be. And we are pro human first. We are pro freedom of thought. We are pro freedom of choice. We are anti politics and we are anti-corruption and we are anti doing wrong stuff to our children okay she obviously had a conservative twist to that but i thought it was a great speech but as you know on this podcast we are apolitical forever and always we care about one thing and one thing only the success of the human species period so I think it's time. I think it's time to finally expose Big Pharma for who they are. I think it's time to hold them accountable for their wrongdoings the past couple of years. I think it's time to bring the family back. I think it's time to make love cool again. I think it's time to let kids be kids. 
I think it's time to get all of our freedoms back. And I definitely think it's even past due, but definitely time to get our culture back. They are taking the scientific industrial complex and weaponizing it against the general population, you and I and our loved ones, to kill, to depopulate society, to turn each other against one another because we're different, but yet we're all the same. We're all human beings. We all want the best for one another. The evil forces that are pushing this upon us are so few and far between. It is a, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the population. It's propaganda that you're being told how divided everyone is. It isn't true. Everyone wants to be nice to everyone. Everyone wants to be treated with kindness. And if you are kind to others and people are kind to you, you should be kind back. So I think it's time we put our differences aside. We recognize the similarities between the mRNA vaccines and the gender-affirming care, which we are all for being available for those who do need it. But a 1,000% increase is something we should do some research on. And there's so many similarities of how we have no long-term studies for mRNA vaccines and no long-term studies with these puberty blockers, but yet they are, quote-unquote, safe and effective. This weaponization of the scientific industrial complex and the medical establishment has ruined all of its credibility, has destroyed our faith in those bodies that we used to trust. And if we do not come together as people, just people, now, we might never get our society back. I do not care what your political views are. I do not care what your gender is. I do not give a damn about the color of your skin. I want you to be free. I want you to be happy. And I want all of us to leave a better world for our children. And if our children continue to be harmed, we must, we must come together and stop it right now. Because if we don't, there's absolutely a point of no return. Because you know, to keep a civilization, you need to have an, the replacement rate of, of the amount of children, which is why, listen to the China podcast, which why in the next decade, China's most likely to collapse. They are the oldest living society, country of all time in human history, the oldest ever. And their one-child policy for 40 years was in for so long, they're so below replacement theory, or replacement rate, I'm sorry. They're so below replacement rate. There's no way that China sustains being a superpower because there's no one left. It's an interesting podcast. And even Elon Musk just talked about that. It's true. We must reproduce. We must make populating cool. We must make spreading love as awesome. And we must question authority. And we must hold people who do wrong accountable. We must do the right thing. Maybe that's too much to ask, but I do not think so. And I will die on this hill doing the right thing, spreading the truth, and getting people the information they want to censor so badly to get their stupid agenda across of depopulating the world. I refuse to stand by and be complicit to those actions. So we're in a fight. This might not be the war you were expecting because it sure as hell wasn't the war I was expecting. Nonetheless, it's war. But we can counter it peacefully. We can counter it with truth. We can counter it with accountability. 
So if you're down and out and you've given up hope, please try and get it back. You have warriors out there fighting with you, for you, with you, whatever. Warriors. People who are willing to die on this hill for our freedoms and for our children to have a better life than we did. This is just a short time in history with a little bit of friction, and we got to get our culture back. And we have to protect the children. The people trying to push this agenda are the very same people that went to Jeffrey Epstein's island. And we all know what went on there. They don't care about our kids. In fact, they want to hurt our kids psychologically, physically, and they've done that to other people's kids. So make sure the next time you are told to do something, to put something in your body from someone who has allegedly assaulted or abused children, allegedly, Bill Gates, think about that source and think about if they have your best interest at heart. Because we need to question authority, no matter what it is. Even if they are doing the right thing, then have them prove it. That isn't that bad, is it? I think that's a pretty good idea if you're a peasant. What do you think? So if you know anyone that isn't awakened yet, that doesn't realize the corruption and evil that is going on, maybe you could share this podcast. Maybe you could share another episode and that will help. Maybe you could share the other incredible content from people like Steve Kirsch, from Kelly Victory, from other people that are doing incredible, incredible work. John O'Looney, so many of them. There are good people out there. In fact, the vast majority of human beings are good people, like 98%. I truly believe that with all of my soul. I believe the evil is 2% or smaller. They just happen to be louder. They happen to be richer, and they happen to be winning right now. But they will lose if we come together because throughout human history, when the people come together, we have never lost. We're still here, aren't we? There's more of us now than ever, isn't there? We have always won. But in the past, we only do that at the 11th hour. And it's about 1030 right now. Can we use that extra 30 minutes and come together and get our culture back? I'm in this fight. And I ain't going anywhere. Because the truth will prevail. So all I want to say is doing the right thing is always the right thing. And if no one told you today, I love you. And you're supposed to be here. I don't care what anyone else tells you. You have a lot of fight left in you. Stay strong. Keep hope. And find other amazing people all across this world doing the right thing. Because there's a lot of us. There's way more than you think. Way more. And it's all coming out now. So, that's all I got for this show. I'm glad you're here. If you want to hear more episodes, go to anchor.fm forward slash JSK for what? Jonathan Scott Kogan. Or search The Jonathan Kogan Show. Wherever you get your podcasts. And by the way, if I'm in your ear, does it feel like we're in like an intimate relationship? I know it sounds kind of weird, but you know what I mean? I've heard people who have podcasts and you meet that person, you meet those people in person. When you talk, it's like they've known you forever because like you're in the ear and it has this like intimacy. I don't know. Just something to think about. I find it interesante, which means interesting in English. Um. Yeah, I'm just super grateful you're even giving me some time to listen to this. And I, I really hope it's helping. That really is my goal. Uh, it's my only goal. I have no other motives except to get our world back. That's all I want. And then I will stop this and I will live my life peacefully on a desert island with my girlfriend and my family. And we can just um, talk to each other over Twitter. No, not Twitter. We don't like Twitter. Email, but not Gmail. Because Google's compromised. So I don't know. Maybe we'll speak telepath with telepathic power. I don't know. But just stay out of my life. You're a great person, a great soul. But I want my life back and then be left alone. So the truth must prevail.
You understand what I'm saying? All right. Thanks for being with me today. You're awesome. I do, do appreciate it. If you do like any of this content, you listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever you listen to your podcast and you want to give it a five-star rating, that'd be awesome. You can check out the Jonathan Kogan Show on YouTube and subscribe. If you give it a five-star rating or thumbs up on the videos, it helps with the algorithm so more people can see this content or share it with somebody else. That's also amazing, obviously. And I would really appreciate that because I think this word just needs to get out. Not that I'm some saint or some like amazing visionary. I just feel like I'm doing the right thing amongst many others that are doing the right thing and spread all of their stuff across the world. Just more people just need to snap out of this trance, this mass formation psychosis, which you can learn everything about if you simply read the book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It will explain exactly what's going on to those who are not awakened. But other than that, thank you very much. You're an amazing person. I appreciate you being with me today and I will see